Major support for Carolina Business Review provided by Grant Thornton, operating in more than 100 countries. Our tax, audit, and advisory professionals specialize in helping companies unlock their growth potential. The South Carolina Ports Authority, a major economic driver in South Carolina, supporting 187,000 jobs and nearly $53 billion in annual economic activity. And Sonoco, a global manufacturer of consumer and industrial packaging products and provider of packaging services with more than 300 operations in 35 countries. Through the summer season and even with the distraction of the beach or holiday travel, the idea of schools or more broadly education in general has never been too far from the public debate and dialogue, certainly both in North and South Carolina state houses, but also within the walls of university. I'm Chris William, and our thanks for supporting the most widely watched source of Carolina business policy and public affairs here in this region. What are those issues that are key and are running in the background while you are on vacation? Well, we'll wade into some of the most crucial and later on High Point University's president and biggest booster, Dr. Nito Cobain. Gratefully acknowledging support by Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina, an independent licensee of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. Visit us at SouthCarolinaBlues.com. The Duke Endowment, a private foundation enriching communities in the Carolinas through higher education, health care, rural churches, and children's services. Bearings, a leading global asset management firm dedicated to meeting the evolving investment and capital needs of its clients. Learn more at bearings.com. On this edition of Carolina Business Review, David Heinen from the North Carolina Center for Nonprofits, Mike Brennan of BB&T South Carolina, and special guest, Nito R. Kubain, president of High Point University. Welcome to our program. Uh, happy summer, gentlemen. We can barely say that. It's almost over, but welcome back to the program. David, good to see you. Mike, welcome. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Good to be here. Uh, Mike, Mike, I want to read something back to you, and I'm going to, I'm going to read this so I, I get it right. So uh, just this past week, or at least within the last 10 days, uh, former South Carolina Governor Dick Riley, former uh, Clinton Education Secretary for right. two terms, that's pretty amazing, uh, Riley said uh, that he'd like to see education in South Carolina, he called for an education movement in the state, and he said like the one that he was, or they were responsible for passage of the Education Improvement Act in his second term in South Carolina as governor. Uh, for Governor Riley, who tends to be one of the most gracious uh, Southern genteel gen gentlemen, not just politicians, to come out and really task the state that way, must mean something. So what, what does that mean? Well, Chris, I had the good fortune of, of, of being there for that. And of course, uh, he had President Clinton there also to, uh, uh, to congratulate him because he was giving his papers to the University of South Carolina. But he did challenge the group around, around education. And I think that the state needs to be challenged because we've got a lot of issues in public education that, that haven't been addressed the way that they, they should be. We've got a tremendous issue with teachers currently with turnover. Uh, problems attracting teachers. Uh, we have growing testing regimen. We have growing administrative burden. And it's just, it's getting more cumbersome mm -hmm. for the classroom. And so we need to do something of some significance that addresses all those issues. 
You know, it seems like, and David, I'm going to ask you to wait in on this in just a second, but it seems like, Mike, that in the summer we get distracted and things like debates around education kind of go to ground and there's some radio silence. That didn't happen this summer in North, in North Carolina as well. So are, are you surprised that the, the crisis mode that education has been in continued through the summer and maybe even more uh, poignant than it's been? Well, again, I think it's because, and I think it exists in North Carolina too, is the issue with teachers, and just is it all about teacher pay? I th well, that that's a piece of it, but it's also the testing regimen that's in the classrooms today. It's the administrative burden that are on teachers. It's the discipline issue in classrooms. I mean, let's face it, teaching is a difficult job, but we all say it's the most important job in the state. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I'm not sure we always treat it that way. And, and David, same thing. In North Carolina, I want to get to that, but you, you've got the added headwind of the relationship between the State Board of Education mm -hmm. and the Department of Public Instruction, right. Mark Johnson and Bill Kobe. Um, answer the, the question the same way. Are you surprised that the crisis of education, K through 12, has had legs this summer to really be the uh, front and center debate? I'm not. It, it, as a, and I say this partly as a parent of two public school, elementary school kids, that it, it's something that, that ever is right at the forefront of, of so many people's minds and so many people's lives in North Carolina. And I think partly with our legislative session starting at the beginning of the summer, the, you know, the opening day of the legisl legislative session, there were teachers and parents all wearing red, mm -hmm. really advocating for, for increase, not only in teacher pay, they, they, you know, there were a lot of asks that they had also looking at, at, at building for schools, kind of sustainable funding for the school system uh, statewide, that that really became the priority at the, the state uh, policy level, but also at the political level. A and even heading into the 2018 midterm elections, that, that's really kind of the kind of biggest policy issue that's out there for the state. So I'm not really surprised that it's one that's continued throughout the, throughout the summer. Do you, do you feel like, in a quick follow-up to that, David, do you feel like if the State Board of Education and DPI could somehow get to a point where they're much more uh, uh, friendly, sympathetic with one another, let's call mm -hmm. it that, do you think that would that would not be a salve, but you think that would go a long way to fix some of the education challenges? I think it would address some of the issues. I think having more unity in the, the state infrastructure for education would probably be helpful. But I do think that there's a lot of it that but both at the local and the state level, the mm -hmm. the uh, capacity for for adequately funding the the school systems, and, you know, not just for for teacher pay, but to ensure that that all the many different um, really core components of schools, you know, whether it's arts education. Um, you know, w whether it's, uh, you know, different things mm -hmm. that, that are part of the school system. Um, you know, just having modern buildings for the schools and enough buildings to really handle the, 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 the number of students that are out there. Uh, 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 that, that's really going to be core to it. Uh, apologies. Mike, Mike, in the fall, uh, State Board, uh, I'm sorry, State, State Superintendent of Education, of course, it's, it's Molly Spearman Molly now, Spearman. but but that role will be uh, uh, hopefully will be a public referendum on the on the ballot. It's on the ballot in November to move it from an elected to an appointed, appointed. position. Is that the right move? It's absolutely the right move, and Molly agrees that it's the right move. Governor McMaster believes it's the it's the right move, and we finally convinced the General Assembly that it was the right thing to let the voters uh, consider. I mean, let's face it. At the end of the day. The biggest part of the budget is public education, and the governor ought to be able to have his appointee or her appointee uh, running the mm -hmm. State Department of, of Education. 
And uh, how would you how'd you forecast the outcome? How would you handicap the outcome? I, I think it's got a good chance of, yeah. of, of passing. I'm, I'm not hearing a lot of a lot of pushback. Okay, on right. it, quite frankly. Uh, speaking of education, we've got a guest coming up that has a has an opinion or two on education. <laughs> We're going to find out what that is. Uh, coming up on our program, you know, why do all the city centers? get all the great press. There are some pretty impressive small towns. We are going to do a program on small town strong. What are those small towns, those little towns? Less than 10,000 people in the Carolinas that have thrived. Towns like Hartsville, South Carolina, Elkin, North Carolina, Georgetown, South Carolina. What have those towns done to really show that they've got what it takes? And also, speaking of education, Peter Hans is the new head of the North Carolina Community College System. He will also be a guest on this program very soon. We hope you'll join us for that. You know, it's hard to tell where our guest as an entity stops and his institution starts. They are seemingly indivisible, one and the same. His brand is their brand and vice versa. But it has been and still almost is wildly symbiotic. On his watch, High Point University over the last 14 years has exponentially grown. That is not hyperbole, has exponentially grown in almost every way. Students, faculty, academic accolades, billions invested. And in fact, High Point City and even parts of the triad have flourished due to the Nido effect, my term. Joining us again is High Point University President and Wyndham Championship Chairman, Dr. Nito Cabane. Welcome to the program, President Thank you, Cabane. Chris. Always a pleasure to be with you. Thank you, sir. Uh, Cash Nito, 14 years of exceptional growth. <laughs> I'm asking this question because every time I've seen you, I, I think, okay, he's, he's going to plateau. How are you going to top this? Well, Chris, you know, I don't get up in the morning thinking how we're going to top it. I get up in the morning thanking God Almighty for all the blessings that have come my way, come High Point University's way. I get up every morning concerned about the future of young people of this country and beyond. I get up every morning asking for guidance on how we can plant seeds of greatness in the minds, of course, but also in the hearts and the souls of our students. And I get up every morning asking myself this question, how can High Point University ensure that it is today and tomorrow and always relevant in the lives of these students? How can we prepare them for lives that are filled with success and framed with significance? How can we make sure that their parents are getting value for invested dollars in the school? And most importantly, how can we focus on the principles and the tenets that built this country in the first place? How can we remind these young college students that they have a responsibility that comes with a freedom and that patriotism is a good thing and that God invented them and created them to be extraordinary? That's what I am focused on every day. I, I, I got that. And you know what, and I, I promise this is so respectful, Dr. Cabane, I mean this. That sounds good. That sounds like marquee stuff. But how, I mean, how does it work in practice? How do you do that? How do you light the fire in a room full of gasoline and just say, you know, burn, baby, burn? How do you do that? <laughs> well, all things begin with a clear vision, Chris. If you don't have a clear vision, you really can't have a solid strategy. So that's our clear vision that we're created. Our mission is to educate students from the inside out, <clears throat> is to be a premier life skills school. Now, how do you do that? You clearly devise a very solid strategy. You employ practical systems. You execute like there's no tomorrow. You work hard. How was this country created in the first place? People had a vision, and they were willing to work day in and day out to make good things happen. That's what we do at High Point. 
we believe in the art of the possible. I tell our students, there's no such thing as unrealistic dreams, mm -hmm. only unrealistic timelines. If you're willing to work hard enough and smart enough, you can deliver. That's what we do at High Point. We deliver every day because we're focused on the mission and we stick to the values and principles that created this institution some 95 years ago in the first place. Mm -hmm. Michael. Nito, good, good to be with you good again. To I was looking at the website on, on High Point University and I noticed you do the leadership series. You have a number of folks come in that you, you interview, students are there, probably members of the community are there. I mean, you've had Malcolm Gladwell there, you've had Carol Dweck there, I think you've had Dr. Condoleezza Rice there. And I think it's wonderful that you, that you do that. But my question would be, is, is there one common leadership thing you've learned yeah. from all those people? Is there one common leadership theme? Of course, From that uh, faithful courage is what drives your life. You have to have faith, faith in what you do, faith in the people you lead, faith, faith in the mission that, you're, that you are responsible for. But then you have to have courage, you have to have grit. You have to get up in the morning saying, I can. You have to get up in the morning and say, nothing is impossible. Now, I may not have the solutions right now, but we work hard at doing it. Think about Colin Powell. Colin Powell is, is on our National Advisory Board at High Point University. Uh, Colin Powell had all kinds of difficulties in his life, and he rose above them. We want our students to know that the co-founder of Apple Computer, who is on our faculty, who comes and works mm -hmm. with our students in the fall and spring of every year, or the founder of Netflix, who changed the way that you watch television, that these are reasonably people like you and me. The difference is they had an idea, they worked at the idea, and then they led with faithful courage. This is a message, Mike, we have to instill in the souls of young people today. These are difficult times. Social media has, has exposed young people to all kinds of things. Not all of it is encouraging. Some of it is disappointing. Mm -hmm. And our job at Hyper University is not just to give you a diploma, but to make sure that your journey is a journey that evolves you as a human being so that you can become all that you were meant to be. That's why we bring those leaders, to show examples of what can happen that out of adversity sometimes can emerge abundance. Is it too late for me to come back and go to High Point <laughs> University? Mike, I don't, know if, I don't know what your SATs are, but we'll look at it. We'll take a look at it. You know, it's, it would be appropriate to note at this point that, uh, Nito, you sit on the board of, uh, corporate board of BB&T, and Michael is the state president of BB&T, so just wanted to make sure that was uh, completely disclosed. Uh, David Heinen? Yes. Uh, no, no relationship with BB&T, so. Yes, thank you. <laughs> completely free of conflicts of interest here. You don't, yes. you don't bank with us? Not, uh, <laughs> yeah, don't put them on the spot. Yeah, don't exactly, not on the spot. Yeah, yeah, no professional ties with BB&T. So, Nito, as a nonprofit and one with a you know a great mission that you've just described, and you personally having uh, you know, been through the High Point community and really having had that you know as part of your personal story, how do you see High Point working with other organizations in the community in Guilford County and in High Point in particular, really collaborating to kind of bring some of the the growth that's happened to, and the economic development that's happened through the university to kind of sharing that prosperity with the full community? So, so you're talking about the university, yeah, being the university engaged? kind of collaborating with others. Well, uh, Dave, you would be enormously impressed with the long list of very effective and meaningful ways that High Point University is engaged in the life of the community in the city of High Point and in the region at large. 
And so I won't give you a long list of it. Just suffice it to say, uh, let's talk about some sectors. So if you take nonprofit sectors, of which you have great interest, uh, Hyper University almost touches every single nonprofit in the city and in the triad region. We do it through a million volunteer hours of the last decade, our students give. We do it by raising more than a million dollars a year for these nonprofits. We do it by the university itself having invested more than $22 million in the downtown transformation of our city, which we think is a very important partnership between the university and the city, town and gown, if you will. We do it by ensuring that our professors, many of whom are research focused, are doing significant work to bring forth not only information and education, but leadership, meaningful investment of time and energy and effort to make all quarters of our triad better, right? So we are, we are engaged because right down to our core, we believe that to whom much is given, much is required. And we're invested because right down to our core, we believe that, that when you have a responsibility Higher education is a huge responsibility for our staff and faculty and certainly for me. Uh, we have also the opportunity to, to, to meaningfully and purposefully help others. And so we're making a big, big, um, big splash with that as far as economic conditions are concerned. High Point University has an economic impact of more than half a billion dollars a year in the region. And um, think of all the money that we bring from outside the state and it is expended in the state. This is a very big point, right? So what I try to tell the legislatures when they try to cut those little grants that they give to North Carolina students, I say, think about it. You know, a student from Connecticut comes to High Point, pays X dollars, and all that money is spent right there, right? So, so universities at large have an enormous economic impact mm -hmm. uh, on the location in which they reside. And we at High Point are focused, determined, uh, in fact, obligated and blessed to have the opportunity to help in those ways. You know, you've, you, you have had a very long list of distinguished alum come back and speak and be engaged. You talked about M Malcolm Gladwell, Canadian Ma Malcolm Gladwell. And, you know, it's interesting, Dr. Cobain, he has been very outspoken. Recently, just saw a video about the cost of college. He said it's ridiculous. It could be about 5000 High Point is not inexpensive to attend. How is this cost of college and the, what, what seems like the, a nuclear arms race in the cost of attending a good college? Is it leaving kids behind? Is it shutting the door? How do you, how do you square that? That's a very important question, and, and I want to answer it deliberately and responsibly because you, you've hit on something that concerns all of us. We don't want to leave anybody behind. Education is important to each person. Some people are more fiscally able to attend any school they choose. Others are challenged from a financial perspective. At High Point, the way we handle that is that every year we give first-generation scholarships. Uh, every year we, we, we've committed some $10 million over the next 10 years, for example, for these kinds of scholarships. Um, at High Point, we have increased our financial aid tremendously especially to students from North Carolina, we actually match the legislative grant. So if Raleigh gives you 10,000, we'll give you 100% of that on top of it. Mm -hmm. So our, our, our um, enrollment from North Carolina has, has grown because of that. Um, but I think you ask a much broader question, which is, uh, you know, in the totality of our nation, how do we make higher education affordable? I don't have the answer, but here's what I can say to you. I know, I know this sounds trite, but, but it really isn't. When I say, you basically get what you pay for. Uh, 
So there are two answers to your question. One is, at High Point, we want to make sure that we're a premier life skills school, which means we have experiential learning, which means we have every possible service necessary to ensure that you're equipped educationally and, and personally and professionally mm -hmm. to succeed in life. That costs money. If we're going to have programs like we have, like pharmacy, health sciences, PA, attracting those kind of faculty, costs money. Research, equipment, infrastructure, costs money. You have to pass that on to the student, shy of the money that you can raise from donors, mm -hmm. because we don't get necessarily federal money or state money as, as an institution, we're a private school. The bigger question is, how do we make sure that a student who desires to get a college education is capable of doing that in spite of whatever impediments, obstacles, personal challenges they have? That's a question where we as universities uh, uh, legislatures, uh, the federal government mm -hmm. have to come together and talk about such a solution. And there are, as you know, many solutions. Some states say you can go free if you, if you have an income of X dollars or below, and they're coming uh, with experiments about this or that. I don't have the answer. I do know this. We don't, at High Point University, and I think many other schools of, of our, uh, in our sector, don't really waste money. Mm -hmm. You know, unless you think building a student center is a waste of money. Uh, if you don't build a student center, for example, um, then you're not going to allow your students to have a balanced experience in college. So it's about your brain, but it's also about interaction with other people. It's also about learning how to solve problems. Mm -hmm. It's also learning about how to develop as a leader. And those things demand facilities, demand staff to run them and to keep them up. So it's an eternal question. Nobody has the immediate answer to it. But it is a question that demands our attention and commands our heart mm -hmm. to be engaged in the process. At High Point, this year we will give some $40 million in aid specifically for people who have need, as you suggested. Mike, Mike let me do a quick follow-up. Uh, Dr. Sure. Cobain, we, just totally switching gears. Uh, chairman, two years. Honorary Chairman, two years of the Wyndham Championship. What do you hope to do there? Well, the Wyndham Championship, of course, is about golf, but it really isn't about golf. Uh, the Wyndham Championship is about economic development in the triad region. The Wyndham Championship is about branding the High Point, Greensboro, Winston-Salem, Burlington area and counties beyond in a way that brings for us companies who are interested in locating there and creating jobs. The Wyndham Championship is about engaging the community at large in an effort that, that, that if you will, crusades our best energies in a way that says we are one in the triad and we can come together not just to go as spectators, but think of the volunteers, think of the sponsors. I speak at a lot of those events for Wyndham, and I, I see firsthand the enormous uh, advantages of it. Bobby Long is a genius. You know, he, he chairs our, our board, and he and I uh, co-chair the Piedmont Triad Partnership. Mm -hmm. We're very engaged in economic development. And so what we hope to do with the Wyndham Championship, besides giving people a good time and making sure that important golfers come and and display their best uh, talents is to create for our region yet one more branding effort, yet one more uh, uh, opportunity to grow uh, uh, with economic impact and so on. Yeah, okay, Mike. Mike, a couple minutes actually. Nito, going back to uh, relevance, you may have heard us discuss issues around teacher issues in both North and South Carolina. 
how can universities like High Point help solve that problem? Because I know you prepare a lot of teachers. Yes, we do. Uh, I think we help solve that, that challenge in K through 12 by ensuring that we have strong schools of education. So our Stout School of Education, for example, now offers everything from you know, BA degree to a doctoral degree. Mm -hmm. We create leaders. We make it very affordable to Chris's point to, to get your master's degree, to get your doctorate as, a, as an educator. Uh, we we uh, provide volunteers in all the schools. We provide services and we contribute all kinds of material investments. For example, uh, you know, books, supplies, mm -hmm. monies, etc. We bring a lot of students to our campus. We have all kinds of camps. For example, a STEM camp, uh, a summer um, high school uh, research camp, and so on. So there are many, many ways that we can engage, and universities can do that very well. For us in High Point, I'm involved is, is, uh, with the transformation of the city of High Point, and, and part of the reason we're interested in literally investing hundreds of millions of dollars. And we have about 30 seconds. Is, is that we want to regenerate our city, mm -hmm. we want to bring in millennials to our city, and we're going to have more children who want to go to schools, make sure our school system is very strong. So as you know, we're building a, you know, a baseball stadium and all kinds of apartments and hotels and downtown. We've raised literally, we've raised $100 million in private money and uh, $50 million it's in very public exciting. money, and yeah. the future is bright. And very exciting. First. First pitch, High Point Rockers, May 2019. I know you, you're going to be excited <laughs> about that. Thank you for the ball cap, by the way. It's around here yeah. somewhere. Uh, nice to see you again, Nito. It's always, always nice to, to see you. Chris. Yeah. Thank you for everything you do. Well, I have only one complaint. This program should be one hour long. Uh, we'll take it under consideration. <laughs> yeah. uh, good to see you both. Uh, good night. Happy Chris, weekend. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Major funding for Carolina Business Review provided by the Duke Endowment, Bearings. Grant Thornton, the South Carolina Ports Authority, Sonoco, Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina, and by viewers like you. Thank you. Promotional consideration provided by Business North Carolina Magazine. For more information, visit carolinabusinessreview.com.